Perspective Audio Podcast, broadcasting out of the Rio Grande Valley of South Texas, hosted by Christian Salinas. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. I am your host, Christian Salinas. Some of you may remember a few months back, we interviewed a local blogger and uh, independent historian, uh, Eduardo Martinez. And uh, in that interview, uh, Eduardo talked a little bit about a very interesting figure of valley history a UFO cult leader known to his followers only as No Drug. Now, recently, Eduardo has made even more discoveries about No Drug, and he's even been contacted by the cult itself. So we figured now would be a great time to touch base with Eduardo to talk about some of the new developments in the No Drug story, and uh, also check up on some of the other stories that he's currently working on for his blog. Again, with us today is local blogger and independent historian, Eduardo Martinez. Eduardo, first of all, thank you uh, very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Oh, well, thanks again for having me. Like, I really appreciate it. For the benefit of our new listeners or anyone who is unfamiliar with his history, I guess we can go ahead and start by talking a little bit about who No Drug is. Well, supposedly his name is supposed to be Orville T. Gordon, and I posted that on my blog uh, two years ago, but... Um, a guy who classified himself as the governor of public relations for this group contacted me, and he was very upset that I had posted that information on my blog. Um, his defense was that there's no actual proof that his name's Orville T. Gordon, but everybody's been calling him that for for decades upon decades. That name's been printed in books. It's been reported on the local news. But according to the governor of public relations for this for this unique group, they say that his name is No Drug, and they don't want they don't want any other name associated with him. As far as you know, is he originally from the Rio Grande Valley? Well, like um, he came from the valley, from up north, and he settled in Westlake, and he helped establish this base in Westlake on September third, nineteen fifty-three. Now, the base that you're referring to, is it actually more, or would you say it's more like a religious cult? Uh, yes, it's called the Armageddon Time Art Base Operation, and um, No Drug currently founded this cult in Westlake in the early 1960s, and um, it deals with um, UFOs and um, outer space, and basically um, they have a belief that um, at some point um, we're all going to be punished, but the rest of... Um, his code is going to be able to basically um, get on a spaceship and go live in the afterlife somewhere. How did you first hear about No Drug and about his followers? Well, the first time I heard about it is because um, my dad worked for the city of West Echo in the water department. And apparently, like, during the 1980s, um, the local city of West Echo was um, feuding with No Drug and his code over a variety of issues. And... Apparently, at some point, it led to the city of West like stopping their water supply, and and so basically, like, in, I think since 1980s, they've been living without plumbing. So the no drug cult is is actually still active here in the valley. Yes, it's still active. One of the most interesting things is that like, we don't know if no drug is still alive or not. I, I was doing some calculations earlier, and I, if he were to still be alive, he would be 
I think 103 years old today, but I think that's incredibly unlikely. And I'm kind of curious if he's buried in that area because, like, there's no reports or anything of him still being alive or dead. So I've seen a picture of no drug that's floating around the Internet, and he was at the Donna Flea Market, and he seemed to be dressed up just like um, normally. Like, like uh, he didn't look that strange. He wasn't, like, weird. He didn't stand out. He, the, the thing that stood out the most was that he has a really long beard, and he, he looked pretty old at that point, and that was, like, the photos from the 80s, so, like, I can't see him still being alive today. Where exactly in Weslaco is this uh, base located? It is um, located next to the Walmart in Weslaco. I think um, the street is called Texans, if I'm remembering correctly. And uh, basically it's an area where um, there's a Walmart, a Pizza Hut, a Subway and a Jack in the Box. Like, it's a very popular area of Weslaco. And there's a little little area where there's like a large wooden fence and a lot of trees covering the house. And that's their house where they live on. Now, I did notice on your blog that you've had some recent developments on the no-drug story. It's rather strange. Like, um, a few months ago, I just checked my email, and there was um, a person, I think his last name was Elliot, and he had lived here in far for many years in the 60s and 70s, and his dad used to receive documents from no-drug, and he wanted me to have these documents via... PDF files, so he just sent them over to me, and I had a look at them, and they're really unique <laughs> documents. They're kind of difficult to read at points, because it's kind of like, it, it, it tries to read almost as some sort of hybrid of biblical and science talk, and it just seems real angry and almost illogical at times, so it's kind of very odd reading. One of the documents had um, a weird little drawing, and they noted Hurricane Beulah and another hurricane, which were infamous hurricanes that hit South Texas in the, the 1960s, and I thought that was rather puzzling, and there's also some statements where they, accu- they accused the city of Far um, school system of being like a red communist school system, and they called the city of Westlake <laughs> the ultimate city of Westlake of Saddam, and... Um, it seemed like a very angry rant towards the local cities and the local governments, and it was very, um, it, it seemed like um, they were very angry at the time. Maybe they were being mistreated by the local government, or maybe they felt um, threatened themselves, but um, it was very interesting reading those things. Now, you did say that those those documents are available for viewing on your blog? I have, um, Two of the three, I'm about to post the third one sometime this week so everybody can read the final third document I've received. I think it's amazing how someone just randomly found your blog and and sent you these documents uh, about the cult. It goes to show that this is part of Valley history that people are still very interested to learn about. Yeah, like, it's it's very um, entertaining, that subject. It's like something that gets people excited and enthusiastic to learn about. And, um... Actually, there's another story that kind of deals with no draws, but it's not directly about them, but there's a gentleman named Mark Allen, and he briefly lived with with no draws group in the 1980s, but he wasn't really a member or truly associated with them. 
but he ended up trying to bomb a local mayor's car with, with a pipe bomb, and that actually led to a lot of the federal agents and local agents to going to No Drugs Place and and basically searching his property and digging up his land, and they had some interesting descriptions to um, his local area, like, for instance, they described that they had actual beehives inside their house, or they had, like, a long list. I think it was, like, 4,000 persons were on this list that they had that had contacted no drugs that wanted information about his group. And basically, just, they, they, the, the federal agents didn't find anything truly harmful on no drugs property. It was just this gentleman, Mark Allen, who, who was a very insane man who just briefly lives in that area. He also, that guy Mark Allen had a father who was also like a, a well-known criminal, but again, like, that that had, he was just briefly living with no drug, and he wasn't really, like, like, they shouldn't give people a wrong idea about the group. From everything that you've learned about no drug and, and about his followers, it, it does seem like they're a little out there, but Nothing Nothing you've found makes you think that they're any kind of a real threat to the Rio Grande Valley? No, not at all. I think they're, they're just unique and they have some peculiar beliefs, but um, I don't feel that they're a threat at all to the local community. They're, they're just rather unique, out of the ordinary characters. Like I've mentioned, I, I have been keeping up with your work on your blog, and uh, you've got some other stories that you're working on besides the no-drug case. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, I was wondering if I could maybe talk a little bit about, um, there's this guy named Esteban Jordan, Steve Jordan. For the past year, I've been researching his life and career. Basically, he's um, a musician from South Texas. He's originally from Elsa, and... I never really um, knew that much about him until after he passed away in August of 2010. But um, he was at one point considered the greatest accordionist in the world, and he's somebody who might be the best musician to ever come out of South Texas, and unfortunately he's somewhat of an obscure figure that's not really a household name or he's not really talked that much about. Like People over the age of 40 and 50 that live in the area might know about him, but people under that age... I've probably never heard of him. And his accordion style is really unique. They, they called him the Jimi Hendrix of the accordion because he was able to, like, produce a really unique sound to his accordion. He, he added bass shifters and pedals and, yeah, and a machine called the Echoplex. And, like, uh, there's a great performance where he came out on Austin City Limits in the 1970s and we're able to appreciate what he was able to do with the accordion. Like, he was able to create echo sounds and... And he was able to create like, like a totally like wonderful sound that that nobody else has ever been able to duplicate other than him. It is a very interesting story, and I've I really enjoyed reading about it on your blog. Now, um, in conclusion, could you mention uh, how people can find your blog, and uh, also what's the best way uh, people can contact you directly? Um, you, you can contact me at uh, ragingnoodles at hotmail dot com, or you can check out my blog at farfromheaven.blogspot.com. I understand you're you're also on Facebook. Yes, actually, you can look me up on Facebook or Twitter under the Far From Heaven title. Eduardo Martinez, creator of the Far From Heaven blog, 
Now that's far, uh, spelled just like the city, uh, P-H-A-R-R. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time once again to talk to us today. Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate you having me on again. Thank you very much. And that's it for this week's episode. As a reminder, if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast for free on iTunes or on the Stitcher Smart Radio app by going to stitcher.com on your mobile browser. This podcast is produced as a community service. If you like what we do and you would like to support our efforts, you can do so by going to our website, uh, bpscast.com, and clicking on the support link on the top menu. As always, we welcome all feedback and suggestions. You can message us on our Facebook page or via Twitter, or you can email us at bpscast at gmail.com. For Border Perspective, I'm Christian Salinas, and as always, we thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading the Border Perspective audio podcast. You can find archives of past episodes, more information about all our guests, and our most recent contact information on our website, www.bpscast.com. Produced by Border Perspective Studios, an independent digital media company.